the direct line to your intuition comes from starting to question those shoulds and be able to get quiet and come into yourself. This episode is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash dreamjob for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. Also thanks to Canva Pro. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. I have two big announcements for you. Number one, my program, Abundant Ever After. This is my signature program. This is the program that will completely change your ability to allow money to flow easily and effortlessly into your life. This program is right now available for pre-sale. And if you join over the next few days, you're going to get $500 off to this incredible life-changing program. You are going to say, I'm so glad that I signed up for that program because Kathy is right. It is epic. You can join us with $500 off at kathyheller.com slash join and grab your seat in this amazing program because you're going to thank yourself. It is going to be so good. Buckle up. Let's go. It's time to be abundant ever after. Also, I am about to do a free three-day workshop all about how to make 2022 your most abundant epic year. And so if you would like to join that, you can go grab your spot in that at kathyheller.com slash abundance. And if you've ever done the program or you've ever done the challenge, you might want to tell somebody about it because I do think that these are two things not to miss. So today we're going to share a couple of things with you. First, I want to play a few pieces of a coaching call that I did recently because there were some really powerful moments in there. Just to give you some context, someone on the call had asked, how do we get over insecurities and deal with feedback if it doesn't feel good? So here's what I said. That's the question, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we can run around in circles trying to figure out what it is that we're not posting that's converting. And really, we're not fully visible. We're just not. And why, right? Why are we not like fully standing there, you know? And I remember when Tim Grover was on the podcast, he trained Michael Jordan, Kobe, Dwayne Wade. And he said, it's interesting because as we grow up, we learn not to stand out. And when you look at people who really change the world, they don't blend in. They don't. They just stand out. And I think that's what Jenna meant when she said, does anyone have a fear of success? I think what comes up is this feeling of then being in the front with your hand raised and then everyone's going, okay, right? Looking at you. And it's like what we make meaning about with all of that what comes up when we stand out? What comes up when we say, this is my opinion. I was just interviewing Bethany Frankel yesterday. And it was so interesting because she said that her whole career, people call her like choice words. People either love her or can't stand her. Like that's how people feel about her. Those of you who don't know her, she's a real housewife. She started something called Skinny Girl. She became a gazillionaire and she's very direct. 
She's very direct. And she said, what's interesting is I was in a meeting one time and literally said to someone else, that's not working for me. And the person called me a B word, right? And she said, and I knew in that moment that if I was a guy and said the exact same thing, it would have been like, okay, anyway, oh, and I'll see you later and text so like no one would have noticed. There would have been no drama. But because I say what I mean and I'm direct all the time, people make a whole big thing. And so I've been standing out for that for a long time. And she's like, I find that fascinating because men do that. You know, Mark Cuban just tells people every single episode on Shark Tank, like, that doesn't work. Why would you make that deal? Why would you ever do that? Da, 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 da. But, oh my God. She goes, if I were to say that to somebody. So it's just interesting in the conversation about standing out, she's decided I'm okay with it then. Cause she goes, I would rather live a life where I know I'm telling the truth, where I'm totally authentic and stand out. And what I notice is that even at that level, when someone's really direct and it kind of can be polarizing, people gravitate to her because they know exactly where she stands. And so there will always be people anyway who don't like any of us. That's always already going to happen, right? There are people who can swear to you. There's, they cannot comprehend that Seinfeld was the number one comedy. They don't get it. They think it's ridiculous. It makes them anxious. They find it all just like, why on earth does anyone like this show? And they feel that way. I mean, if you Googled it, not that I've done this, but like anything you love, you'll be amazed at the comments that there's five-star reviews and one-star reviews, right? So that's across the board. There are people who are going to say, Dr. Dre is the worst. Beyonce, ugh. Broadway shows, can't stand them. Hamilton, oh my God, would never go near it. Amazing. Great. Let it be, right? And for the person, right? For Lin-Manuel, for Bethany Frankel, for whoever it is, like, wouldn't you love to at least then know that you are authentic, you belong to yourself, right? So I think we have this misconception that there's something we need to do about all of this feedback when all of that feedback is already there. And just depending on what happens and who happens to come across your path, they've already got a projector running. They've already got a commentary about you, about women, about your pink shirt, about your house, about, so that's not really yours to own. That's theirs. Those are some of the things that would help me to make sense of that. And then to get excited, like, Ooh, so Maybe if I actually stand for something and I say something that really is like how I feel and people like erupt around it, maybe that's actually a good thing. The reason I played that song, This Is Me, is because Jenna has been like very vocal about what people have said about her body or who she's married to in relation to how she looks. I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable like that people will take the time out of their day to comment about that. Like, Mm-hmm. your tax dollars don't go to her and her husband. What do you care? Also, it's so judgmental and it's so weird. And it's just says so much more about you than her, but that happens, right? So this song, This Is Me, why do we love that song so much? Why is it so visceral? Like hits us right between our heart space. It's like, this is your life. Like at the end of the day, we get really caught up in this virtual reality that I always talk about, this trance and like, we get really out of presence 
and we got stuff we got to do and there's social media going on and our kids have to go to their baseball game. And it's like, wait, 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 this is my actual life today. Like today's my actual life. Like I'm going to be 64. I'm going to be 78. I'm going to be 85. I'm going to look back and go, that was your life. That was it. That was it. That day, that was the thing called your life. Yours, your life, not your followers, not what your mother-in-law thinks. It was yours. It was your life. How'd it go? How'd you do? How much of it did you show up for? And so I got to a place in my life where I was like, what is it costing me? It's costing me my actual whole life. That's what it's costing me. My actual entire life to live any day. So worried about triggering 84 people who I'll never meet or, or even the three people who are in my family who will get triggered It's costing me my life. So when do I get to live my life? In 16 months? In four and a half years? So cool. I'm 42. Okay, so when I'm 48 for one day, I'll live my life. And then maybe I'll live it again when I'm 54 for like a month. No, enough. I'm over it. It's terrible. It's disgusting. Do you know that every time I post how much money I'm making or what's going on in the business, it triggers people, people just unsubscribe, right? Fine. Because that's not a dirty word, right? It's not porn. It's important actually, right? It's a good thing. Every time there's a big IPO and Starbucks makes all this money or whatever dude in Silicon Valley makes all the people cheering for him, right? And then you see a woman who's really freaking sweet, who's got three kids, right? Who's been working her ass off and really importantly, trying to have balance and like show up for her like mindfulness practice. And then she posts like, yeah, making $500,000 a month and people are going to opt out of that. Please find the exit. I'm begging you. You do not belong in this community. And every time that happens, there's like 16 people in a second who are like, oh my God, I didn't even know that. And I'm like, why have I been hiding that? I've had shame around it. So there's different kinds of influencers and some influencers are really celebrating their money and all that stuff all the time. And I had this part was like, I shouldn't really show that. And I was like, no, like this community, they need to know that's a possibility. Like every single month in my business for five years, I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not going to show that to people. That's disgusting. So few people do that, no matter what industry they're in. Show it. Show it all the time. My husband's like, oh, what are people going to say? I'm like, I don't care what they say anymore. I'm over it. That was like the last straw. <laughs> so it's like, live your life. Live your life, okay? And it's yours to live. And stop living their life. And by the way, all those people who squawk and whatever they do they're doing that because they're not living their life my badass girlfriends are the ones like cheering me on being like why are you not more visible why don't you say more of what you think and feel like please show it oh my god they're not triggered by it not at all not at all so oh so annoying like the people in the cheap seats and they're the ones, no, Mm -mm. I want you to do a post today and I want you to tag me and I want it to be your most 
I'm no longer costing myself my life post. I want to see what you can bring. I want to see how much you can bring. I don't know what it's going to be about. You know what it's going to be about. I want it out there. Okay, now we're going to listen to what I had to say when another woman asked why she's struggling so much to feel worthy of abundance. Take a listen. I think I, I've told you guys this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it so that you guys start hearing it and you just hopefully will start to be inspired to go do it. But when I first moved to Los Angeles, right, this is me moving out there, not knowing a single person, getting day jobs, single mom, didn't have any money, didn't have any, no, all good. We've all been in that spot. But when I would make the $300 at the end of the week, whatever I was making for my nine to five job, I, not every week, but often would take $220, which was so much of that money. And I would go to the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. How I knew to do that, that part escapes me. And so I still would. <laughs> and I knew that if I spent that $225, that anybody who I told I was doing that would say, that's insane. That's so unreal, uh, responsible, or what are you doing? And da, da, da. And I was like, it's the best medicine for me. Because by getting a massage for $225, I get access to the spa for the whole day. And I'm going to sit there. And I'm going to feel the blanket and I'm going to drink the tea and I'm going to go into the room with the eucalyptus and I'm going to remind myself of really what is my worth and really how beautiful life can be. And I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to sit in it. And every time I could find another possibility like that, I would stretch myself. And so I came out to LA with this like beat up Volvo where like half one side, it was so funny. One side of the car was dented. So when I would go pick somebody up, depending on what side of the street they lived on, I would like do a turn so that when I at least drove up, like I drove up on the side where you couldn't see it. That's where I was coming from at the time. And as soon as I could even think about getting a new car, I bought the most expensive car that I could possibly buy, which was a Mercedes CLK coupe. It was a used car, but it was only used by like a few years. And it was something that was like an, oh yeah, like I, I need this car. Cause every time I hold the key in my hand and every time I sit in the seat, it's going to tell me something about how I think about my worth. And that's imperative for me. And so I kept doing that all the time. So that's one thing that you should be doing, all of you, like wherever you're at, do it all the time. So it's like, if this week it means you're going to Neiman Marcus to buy yourself some one piece, one, one item that just makes you feel like a jacket, maybe a jacket's a good thing because you can wear it over and over and over again. And you're like, I love this jacket. I wear this jacket and it reminds me I am a beast. I am a queen. I, all of that stuff. That's it. Now, why? You said, why is this happening? It's happening for the same reason it happens to everyone. When Deepak Chopra was on the show, I said to this man who's been sitting in meditation hours, hours a day, at minimum four hours a day, minimum his entire life, every day meditating. And I said to him, what is the purpose of life? Not a bad question to ask to someone like that. And his answer was to know who we are. And who are we? 
We are not. The ego. Your ego is damn right. The ego you've built that doesn't feel worthy of anything isn't. It's made up. It's fictional. It's garbage. It sits inside of a cesspool of self-doubt. It has tons of defense mechanisms. It thinks it has to do so much. And you're right about it. And it's not who you are. And your ego morphs all the time. It's changing all the time. So an ego is made up of like what you think, what you do, your personality, actions you take, what you wear, all of those things. Well, it was different when you were four months old. It was different when you were nine. It was different when you were 26. Like it just keeps changing. But the part of you and the answer to this question, which is who are we? And that's the purpose of life is we are the one self. We are the ocean itself. We are infinite. We are the whole deal, the alpha and the omega. And that is actually what's always been real. From the second you were conceived, just that life force till now. It's never changed its hair. It's never changed its clothes. It's never decided what preference it has about food. It's been whole and complete and blissed out the whole time. And it's the most real thing in the world. And that part of you, of course, is worth going to a something that's not a thrift store or eat because it's a match for complete and total infinite abundance. So is every single one of us because we're all part of that ocean. We all have that life force, that chakra kundalini when it's totally open, right? It's the most magical force in the world. And that's the purpose of life. And it's not just you, it's all of us. And the reason the tears come is because when we play that station over and over and over and over and over and over again, we stop being able to hear any other station. Everything outside of that station seems like static. We can't get a good signal. And we can't get a good signal because we are blasting. We are blasting this other station. And this other station, it puts us in trance. It cuts us off from anything that feels like expansive and it lies to us. And that's the ego. That's what it does. So just a really having a deep awareness of that, what we need to then do is find our way into that one, that one expansive field. And it has to happen every single day. And what happens is, the more you practice going into it, it feels so much more real and so much more extraordinary and so much more powerful than anything else. And you start to memorize it. And the more you memorize it, you can get back there really quickly. And then you're aware all day long when you're kind of moving away from it. And then eventually you're in it so much and the world starts to move and things start to feel like they're just happening effortlessly. And you get out of being totally and fully consumed by the ego. It doesn't go away. Every single thing, and this is, we have to hear this all the time. Everything that's in the sun has an equal shadow, okay? And in, in Kabbalah, we would say you have like a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah Tov. You have the yin and the yang. You always have this ego side, this shadow side, right? And it comes up against. And Gay Hendricks would say that when he's done research around this, this is like 
that night when Will Smith was about to have like the absolute biggest moment of his life, sabotages it, right? That's an upper limit, okay? So everyone has one. Everyone has one. So you've heard the expression like new level, new devil or whatever expression people use. We've got to be aware of it, right? The greater the capacity for joy, the greater the capacity to feel pain, the greater the capacity to uh, like move people and influence people, the greater the power, right? The greater your capacity to maybe then influence people in not such a good way, right? We have to know the the yin and the yang of, of all of this, but just by knowing it, that's the juicy, beautiful thing is to just, just be aware, like, okay, because our ego, here's how it works. Our ego is trying to protect us, okay? And so when it starts to feel that our soul and all of that starts to feel really expansive, it goes, oh God, I need a brake valve here. Why? Because it doesn't want to dissolve. You're still a human being in a body, right? And your ego is like, she's about to be like that little boy from up and just lift off and totally surrender. And it's all, and it's like, no, you have a body and an ego and it's helpful actually too, right? It's helpful in some moments. And at the same time, the more that we're just aware that we've practiced so often this place of protection that it's not even a thought, it's a feeling. Like the amount of anxiety, it's physical. It's not just like, well, Kath, there's like this hard thought. It's just, I feel it, I can feel it. Like it's like coming for me, like, oh, you know? Yeah, that's what's happening because you've built a certain, there's a circuit of thoughts that create certain feelings that create certain chemicals, right? And your cells literally line up in a certain way where you now think that if you start thinking differently, you're, you're headed to danger. So your body's like, this is scary, right? Like when you're opening, I was just talking to a friend of mine today and she's dating someone now has been like four months and they're starting to be really honest with each other. And there's real vulnerability taking place. And all of a sudden she goes, God, like my physical body it's like an agony, like I'm scared, you know, I've been hurt before. And so I'm dancing with this part of myself that I know better. And I feel like I'm ready for this. And he's a beautiful soul. And ooh, I'm like tolerating all the time, like just this actual physical feeling of what are you doing? What are you doing? Right? So over time, we've been through things. And so we just have to come on over, right? Our higher self and say to our beautiful little self, this, I got you, I'm here. And I see how scary this is. And you don't have to do anything, right? I'm going to drive the car here and I'm going to let you sit here too. I'm not going to throw you out of the car, but I'm going to put you in the back seat and I'm going to drive. I'm going to take the wheel. When you said, I know this is my last, I'm sure myself is driving. I know this is my last stand because you said, I trust in my gift and my message. That I, I trust in my gift and my message. That's the same I who wrote Lion King when Elton John, the ego, sat down and put his hands on a piano. Elton John, I think that's a name he made up, right? I saw the movie, it was sad and beautiful. He doesn't, he didn't make music right? But he allowed himself to hear the music, right? When Michelangelo was painting, he didn't create color. He, he's a body, but he let the divine be 
be using him as a paintbrush, right? So you, your ego, you can say, you don't even have to do anything. You just have to get out of the way. Okay, before we keep going, we should thank our sponsors. Thanks to Canva Pro for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Designing with Canva Pro is fast, super easy, and fun to use. My team and I love having a Canva Pro account, and I've actually been a Canva user since my early days of being a songwriter. We use it pretty much every single day to make our social media graphics, podcast artwork, slideshows, workbooks. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I love that they have thousands of professionally made templates that we can customize. Plus, we have access to endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so many more elements that have really taken our branding to a next level. And it might be surprising to know that no one on my team studied graphic design or anything like that, but because Canva is so easy, we're all able to make really professional looking designs. You can get all this and more with a Canva Pro subscription, stay on top of team projects with an easy organizing system that allows you to share, edit, and comment in real time with Canva Pro. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you're going to save time planning, creating, and posting social media content also. You and up to four teammates can unlock Canva Pro for just $12.99 a month. You can wow your audience with Canva Pro, the easiest way to create presentations. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash dreamjob to get your free 45-day extended trial. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the chief financial officer. Today's CFO is critical to the strategy and success of the business. And in growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes, errors, and lack of visibility into the numbers. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game, automated reports, inventory, e-commerce, and HR just flow into the financial model seamlessly, insights coming with the click of a button. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash dreamjob. Head to netsuite.com slash dreamjob for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash dreamjob. Okay, and now I want to share my conversation with my very good friend, Trisha Huffman, who was on the show a couple of years ago as well. She's the founder and CEO of Your Geologist. She's also a speaker and a coach and a mentor. And she's been working with so many Grammy award-winning artists. She's also a podcaster and she's the author of a new book, which is called F the Shoulds, Do the Wants, Get Clear on Who You Are, What You Want, and Why You Want It. It just came out last week and I'm so proud of her. The book takes you on a journey of healing and self-discovery and it exposes you to the deeply rooted ways that our shoulds are running our life and manipulating how we feel about ourselves. Trish is going to give you the tools and insights to help you gain the daily self-awareness and empowerment that this one word life hack gives you. I know it's something a lot of us deal with and we might not even be aware of it. So I highly recommend that you get a copy. Also, you can listen to her amazing podcast called Claim It, which is all about how to claim your joy, your worth, your dreams, your feeling of enoughness. And she's had some really cool people on like Jason Mraz, Bronnie Ware, Terry Cole. I've also been a guest, which was fun. Trisha is one of those people who really knows how to get in touch with your true desires and align with what feels good in your heart. We even lead you through a few prompts. So if you can get out a pen and paper, towards the end, you could follow along. Without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Trisha Huffman. So Trisha, we're going to get into her her work right now. We're going to talk about your new book, which I just got my copy of. I'm reading it. It's downstairs. 
such a good title. And it's like the book you've needed to, I was like, this is the book she has been needing to write forever. We can talk a little bit about your background. You've been on the podcast before. So some of that story was told, but I want you to share a little bit about that because that is kind of where it all starts, right? Where you started to see uh, where there was a need for you in the world. And then you started to raise your hand to, to help people. And you saw that even famous people needed help learning how to say yes to what they wanted to say yes to and no to what they didn't. And then you helped those people and yourself, you help people who had a big, important job to do in the world to be even more in alignment so that they could have even more of an impact. And then you've been doing it in your own life and helping people. So let's talk a little bit about that wake up for you. Like, where did that all begin? Yeah, like that wake up is how the book starts, which is F the shoulds, do the ones. So yeah, I was living my dream life. And we talk about, you know, my journey more in that first episode or the episode we did on the podcast. But yeah, so I was always very moved to my music uh, and live sound, especially. And I always wanted to be the person controlling the sound at concerts, but I didn't know what it was. And I made it happen. And I, you know, and it was really hard. <laughs> Not many girls did it. Um, but I was like living my dream, touring the world with icons. And I loved it. I loved what I did. I rarely had a, my own place to live when I wasn't on a tour. Then I would like be like, oh, I'm going to go to Bali for the month. And so I was living what I thought a life of my once. And like, I was living out my biggest dream and my father passed away suddenly and it shook me more than I ever could have expected in any way. And in so many different ways, but when he died, I was supposed to be getting on a plane to go to Australia to start a new tour that I was going to be on tour for like the entire year for an album cycle. And I flew home for the funeral and then right from the funeral, got back on a plane to go to Australia to start the tour. Cause I was like, what else do I do, but continue on. And I loved my life, but I was such an emotional mess. And I was walking around like miserable around the world in these amazing places. And in part of me, it woke me up to be more alive because my dad's death was accident, an accident. But I really, I was so alive and so present that I was like, what is everybody else doing walking around miserable? Like, it just felt like everywhere I went, I mostly saw people that were miserable. And this also was before like social media. And I think, you know, it was probably before iPhones. So it was before you'd be waiting in line and people were only on their phones, right? Like now that's normal. We're all distracted looking at our phones and not interacting in a coffee shop. This was in 2008. So I was just like, what is going on? Why are you people so unhappy? And again, I was grieving so much. So I understood that. So I was like, okay, I don't know what else people are going through. Cause I'm like, hello, my dad just died. So I realized I didn't know what people were going through, but I also was very much like, you don't know what could happen tomorrow. You could die tomorrow. Like we always say, oh, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. It could actually happen. It had just happened in my life that my dad died from an accident. He slipped on a patch of ice, hit his head and died of hypothermia. I remember there when are, you told me that and I was just like, I will never forget that story. And it's it was like, just it's so random. Absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, it just shows we are just not in control of, of things like that. So it made, I just like wanted to shake people on the street and be like, wake up, you're alive. Like what, 
life is hard. There's a lot that is hard. And I know that there's a lot going on in the world that is unfair. And I understand that. So I'm never about like, ignore the real pain you're feeling, but also can you do something today to be more alive in your life, to be actually living your life? And I just really wanted to shake people. And I only made it a couple of weeks through that tour. And I was just like, I have to quit. I'm never doing sound again. I don't know what I'm doing, but I can't do this anymore. And it was so shocking. <laughs> I could have just said, I need some time off. I'll come back for the summer leg. <laughs> like, Let me go take care of myself. I didn't have a home. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have any money saved up because I you're like, forget it. The hell with everything. 86 at all. I quit my life that I loved I've done and it. I had no clue what I was going to do, but I had this thought of like, I'm done with the shoulds. And it made no sense to me because I was like, me, I don't live a life of shoulds. I do what I want. Like I have, cause I had this other moment when I was 15, where I chose to live over ending my life. And so I thought that I very much had lived a life that I loved and I did. But what I realized was when I paid attention to, I, I'm, I get committed to things. And so I was like, all right, I'm done with the shoulds. I don't even know what that means, but I'm done with the word should. So I actually would not allow myself to use the word. And I would be even mid conversation with people and be like, what should, and that happened so many times. I was like, I need a replacement for this word. And I tried out other things. And what I realized for me was that want worked the best. And by just paying attention to the word should, I realized how that really affected me every day in all of the small choices we make every day and all the ways that we talk to ourselves, it would pull me out of comparison. Oh, I should do that because Kathy does that. Whoa, 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 wait, what do I want to do? Like it was showing me all, what should I wear today? I should be out of bed by now. I should do the dishes. I should, you know, I should have done this. Like I realized how much the shoulds hold us back in our life. Anyway, so I also had no idea what I was going to do with the rest of my life, <laughs> just that I wanted to shake people up to living their lives. So that also made me follow like my own wants. And then it led me to creating a position back on tour where I did take care of artists and was sort of the person. I first got the title of joyologist. And then later Jason Mraz titled me his manager of integrity because I first went back on the road to be taking care of them mentally and physically. So in that time off, I got certified as a yoga teacher because it was something that I loved and it spoke to me. I got really more into being like cooking meals, uh, you know, that nourished me and made me feel alive. Like I followed all of my wants and it ended up me creating this position that was made up that I was like, you need me on tour to take care of you emotionally and physically. Because again, what I had also seen in my firsthand experience is I had lived out my biggest dream, but I was on tour with people living out like the biggest dream. They had written their own songs and were touring the world, sold out arenas, private jet buying the same shoes over and over again and forgetting they had it on no big deal. You know, like even I even saw these people that I got to work with, I had amazing relationships and families. So it wasn't even like, Oh, but everything else in their life was toxic. Like they really had it all. And yet still every day struggled with doubts, fears, comparisons. Yeah. Being able to say no. Cause what about that? Comparing themselves to their last song or that other artist, like these people that had it all and were singing these emotional songs that are moving us like that song just moved me. 
we're not immune to what we all have of these doubts and fears and all of that stuff and the shoulds. And so it also just was like, I'm going to go back on tour and support these people because I saw that anybody in a position of power, whether it's a boss at a place or the artists on tour, people aren't calling them out on their stuff. So if they're in a bad mood, if they're upset about something, then people were just let them be. And then basically would it, you know, infuse the entire crew, the entire tour that everybody's walking on eggshells and we don't know. And it never fixed anything. So I was like, I'm going to be the person that's being like, what's going on with you. Okay. So you don't like doing interviews. So what can we do to make you enjoy that more? Or can you start saying no to them? Like seeing people that they have choices in the situation and also being able to find the want because some things in lives are should, but also it was looking at everything's slowing down. Why would you want to do that? How will that benefit you? How does it make you feel when it's done? (laughs) I love it. What I want to do is um, it might be fun to like have everybody do a little like journaling exercise. Cause one of the things you do so well is you facilitate people finding out the answers to these questions. And so I want to do that in one second, but first I just wanted to comment and say that I was talking to a friend of mine, Mark Groves, and who I knew you would like have that smile. And I was telling him something that's going on in my life and how I was feeling really good a few weeks ago. And next thing I know, I'm having all these conversations with um, networks. We're talking to TV companies and I actually really enjoyed meeting them. Like I really was presently surprised. I liked the conversation at Netflix. I liked the conversation at Magnolia. I really enjoyed the integrity to use that word in the conversation but there was just some other pieces to the whole thing that were, I just started feeling bad. And he said to me, you know, after we kind of teased it out, he goes, listen, there's a part of you that's doing what whoever they is like, right. You think that you should do. And he goes, you have like a seven-year-old inside of you, this little girl who's like looking at you now as an adult saying, you got to protect me from that. Like you did that at seven because you survived and that was brilliant, but you're going to protect me, right? Like not doing that to me again, right? And it's amazing that if if we all kind of think about why do you want what you want anyway is because you want, hopefully you think it's going to add well-being to your life. And the thing that makes us all feel the most alive and happy is being in a state of integrity. It's like, when Jason, you know, Trisha's mentioned Jason, you know, she's very good friends with Jason. I remember when he was on the podcast and he said his mom works at Bank of America, or at least she did. And his dad was p- making fences and he like went to San Diego to like work in this coffee shop. And those early days of working in a coffee shop and running an open mic and playing songs, he's like, I was the richest poor person. Like I was making very little money, but so happy because everything in my life was in integrity. I liked what I was doing. I felt very satisfied with like the people and the way in which I, and that was like one of the happiest times of my life, you know? And then you get involved with like, Ben Rector has this new song about like heroes. He's like, oh, remember when I thought being a rock star would be this, but then it's really agents and managers and pressure and da, 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 you know, and all this stuff. And I guess this is just like, so important for all of us, right? Like there's never enough times that we can be reminded of this conversation because no matter whether you're in Bali or you're on a tour singing the song you wrote to a sold out crowd, if you're not in integrity, you're not going to be happy. That's it. And if you are in integrity and you're sitting 
at a picnic table at some public park, you'll be happier than wherever you, you know, and you could probably do both. You could be in integrity and play Madison Square Garden, right? Which I think you, you did see them do, which is really cool that you saw, saw both. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so many things you were so written, like, yeah, like the whole they thing, which I bring up too, like so often we don't realize, and by the way, I know you will love this, the whole book, everything that I'm saying, I'm teaching you also be so much more compassionate to yourself because to realize that these things are things we're wired to do. Like we are unfortunately like you're never going to get rid of like, so I give up that word in 2008 and like, so tuned in, still so tuned in that like when I'm reading my kids books and it says should in it, I won't say the word like that's how still committed I am. Like I switch it out, wrote an entire 16 chapter book about it, like whatever, but yet the shoulds mess with me still every single day. Like I have to still every day be like, Oh wait, what are you doing? Oh, you're like, you know, now you're feeling off right now. Are you feeling out? Not enough. Why? Oh, because you saw that on social media. And so you went into comparison and feel like you should be further along or you should like, I am able to relate everything to a should, which makes it so much easier for me to get out of my head and come back to me. Like, and so that's what I'm hoping. Like, I'm like, if you just focus on this one thing, like these are all the things I've uncovered. There's this quote that I wrote in there. Well, it's a quote from me. (laughs) Like when you are living in the shoulds, you are making the outside world's perception of you more important than your perception of you. And that's usually what we are unconsciously doing. What will it look like? What will people think of me? Will this work? You know, like all of that we're programmed. It's not your fault. And that's what I'm trying to always be nice to you. Just, but to come back to, oh, whoa, whoa, well, what do I want? What do I think? And the ability to question our thoughts, because we so often are going to, I'm not enough. Oh, that's not going to work out. Oh, I can't wear this because it's not flattering on me. Like whatever the ways are, we're constantly so hard on ourselves to come back. Like, wait, what do I want? Is that in, and, and be able to question like, too, is that really what I want to believe? Because some of our program mm. thoughts, like my body image stuff is so programmed into me to not love and appreciate my body as it is. I grew up in diet culture. I grew up not feeling enough. And as much work as I've done still every day, my body, you know, my eyes want to go in the mirror. Oh, you can't wear that. Oh, you need to like, whatever. And that's something that's still so deeply inside of me. But every day then I meet myself with, huh, is that really what I want to believe? Yeah. And just simply that questioning is that really what I want to believe? Is that really when I, what I want to tell myself that I'm not allowed to leave the house wearing those leggings because I don't look whatever, like how I should the image that has been programmed into me for so long. So like just what this should to want switch, it constantly has me coming back to <sighs> taking a deep breath. Wait a minute. Let's go beyond. What do I want? What do I want to believe? So let's practice something really quick. Just total free associating here. I want you, and again, free associating. So you don't need to get an A plus on this. This is not graded. Just, I want to see what comes up. If we're going to finish two sentences, if you were going to finish the sentence, I should blank. What's the first thing your brain tells you that you should be doing more of, or that you should think, or that you should be, I should do better. I should be doing more. I should make more money. I should have started younger. I should be more present. I should work more. I should sleep better. I should be more visible. I should be more productive. Yeah. 
Before I go to the next one, Trisha, do you see any pattern in there that you want to address? Well, so there's a few and like, you know, I've seen like, I should be a, a better mother a couple of times. And that one stood out to me because so stuff like that, where first it's looking at what is telling you that you're not like, what are the parts of yourself that is telling you you're not? Is it because again, you're comparing yourself to other moms? Is it you're comparing yourself to an idea of a mother you thought you were going to be? And then that's the reality is like, oh, not. So it's also in examining your thoughts. It's sometimes seeing like, no, okay, I am a great mother. And like seeing where you can acknowledge yourself. Like, what does that even mean? So what does a better mother mean to you? And not looking at the things you're doing. Because so often I think we get caught up in what we think things look like. Like what it looks like to be successful. What I think it looks like to be a good mom. But what if you looked at more, what does it feel like? So switching from look to feel like I should be more successful. Well, what does that even feel like? What does being successful feel like? So I think so often we're chasing things based on what we were told or what our brain has told us that they look like. And so because of that, we actually never feel it because once you get to that thing, oh, I got the job, I got the hit song, I make this much money now, whatever, I did all these things, I packed all their lunches. Like, what are you telling yourself that I should be a better mother even looks like? But then looking at what does that feel like? And I think you're able to see things differently and then acknowledge yourself. But then you can also ask, okay, so what are some easy ways that I can then, you know, add upon that? Like just, yeah, seeing that a couple of people wrote that better mother thing, it really like hit a chord with me because I'm sure you are an amazing mother. And it's just that you are stuck into some pattern of not being enough based on comparison or TV moms or Instagram moms or who knows. <laughs> And it's interesting what you were just saying. And I, I feel like it bears, you know, sort of bringing to light, which is, you just kept saying like, but how do you want it? What, what does that feel like? Right. And it's interesting, like what you said at the beginning of this journey, like how many people seem so unhappy. Right. And if you really took a sort of a cross section of the world and you just stop people right where they are today in wherever they're standing at work, at a crosswalk. And you asked a hundred people right now at this moment across the country, let's just use this country for it, but it could be anywhere on a scale of one to 10. How happy do you feel right now? How much well-being? how much peace, how much joy, anything positive, right? Do you feel my guess is it's not a 10 out of 10, right? And what's interesting is what we are chasing all day long then. So it's like, okay, so if Clearly, if, if, if this is like normal, where you're feeling a four out of 10, let's say typically, what are you spending your time on? Well, I'm spending my time trying to be successful. Well, I'm spending my time trying to be a better mother. Well, okay. What about feeling better? How about spending time on feeling better? What would that look like? How would that? And then you go, wait a minute, this is my actual life, right? Like, don't I want to feel good for the majority of the time, right? And if I'm out of alignment, if I'm out of integrity, it doesn't matter if I'm working on a good project or I just got somebody to invest in a business or if I'm, you know, acing it and just had my fourth kid and all that. It's like, wait, but how do you feel? And it, it, it's so simple and yet it's like so profound. So the second question I want you to answer, again, just total stream of consciousness is if you had to finish the sentence, I want blank. What, what's the first thing? Do you want peace? Do you want success? Do you want, I mean, it, you don't need to judge that either, right? You don't need to now make yourself wrong for saying, I want to feel successful. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just 
practicing that muscle. Like, what do I want? I want peace. I want to be inspired. I want love. I want wealth. I want freedom. I want belonging. I want connection. Yeah. I want my health back. I want to help people live better lives. I want ease, financial ease. I want ease of work. I want to be a leader. You know, you said like, yeah, to not judge yourself. Like that's what I really found too, that so often we judge ourselves for what we, brings us joy and for what, what we want. Like, and we're so hard on ourselves. It's like, oh, I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't like that. Like I used to judge myself for liking certain pop songs. I used to judge myself because I like to read novels because I felt like I should only read like books that were like personal development or business books. Cause that's what I thought a good, you know, like entrepreneur inspirational person should do. But yet reading novels is like, feels amazing to me and is so nurturing. So also like looking at where are these things that you're like judging yourself for what you're doing and how you do things and like allowing yourself to do the things that work for you. Cause it is your life. And you also mentioned too, like, yeah, like people going through these days and like, yeah, you want to build a business. You guys want to be more successful. You want to do this, but also remembering to enjoy your life while you're doing that thing. So still build the things you want to build and grow the things you want to grow. But like, don't forget today, you can feel success today. You can feel that you're enough today. You can feel joy today. You can allow yourself to experience those things. Yeah, totally. I was, uh, another wake up call for me this week. I was having a conversation with Seth Godin and he had wanted to like, you know, check in just like, you know, a check-in and I kept postponing it because I think on some level I was afraid of what he was going to say to me. Cause he's kind of like a, a mentor to me and he's like a Jedi master. And I like, didn't want to hear it, I think. So we get on the zoom a few days ago and, uh, he's like, okay, I can tell that you, you want me to give you a second. So I'll tell you what's going on with me for five minutes. So he tells me this thing he's working on and it's very cool. And it's all about helping the environment. He just wrote this almanac that shows people about like the climate change. He's just so brilliant. Wow. I mean, he's like at another level and then he goes, okay, I'm done now. So now it's going to be about you. <laughs> And then he's like, so what's going on? And I start to tell him like six sentences. And he, and he says, the resistance is strong with you, Jedi. You know, he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, that's what I say to people. Why is he telling me my resistance is strong? And again, do you know what he says to me, Trisha? He goes, who are they? Literally. He goes, what's the they? You said the word they like six times. I don't really care. Do you? What is it? who are they? And I don't even know that they, it doesn't matter who they are, but I don't know why they're in the conversation. I don't know why they're on zoom with us. And I was like, (laughs) and then, um, you know, he, he was like, what is your unwillingness to be fully yourself? And I was just like, what, how did you get there from here? I thought you were going to be excited about this, this, and this. And, uh, we talked a little bit more and I got off the zoom call and I text, I, I was boxing Colleen about it. And I was like, wow, he was so right that there was a part of me that had an old codependent belief. And I didn't even see it. It was totally my blind spot that like, I was so willing to take this next step and do all this stuff. And I just assumed I would have to compromise in these six ways that I didn't want to, but it was fine. And he was like, who, who the hell said that you need to do that? Like I wouldn't. And he was looking at it from a plan standpoint of like, no, don't do that. Because what you really want to make in this world is not mediocre. What you really want to be in this world is alive. So why would you spend any time, right? Letting that seep through. And I realize how often we do that where it's like, 
of course, this is just what needs to happen. Of course, if I want this gain, I, there is this cost and, and it's okay. It's like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. What if there's a way, there's another door that exists where you can have this gain and this cost, it's not on the table, not there. I was just like, what a concept. I think we all deep down or not, maybe we all, I definitely had that still, right? And I definitely meet people who have that on so many levels. If I make more money, I have to hold everyone's problems. Like, what's that? You know, people have so many things that they, they, they show up with. And isn't it amazing that what you are saying and what I'm saying and what I'm continuing to realize is there is a possibility that you can live out your day without doing that and still wind up feeling so good and actually feeling good because you didn't have to sacrifice this thing called your integrity. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like, yeah, like compromise happens and it's like, and I'm like, Oh, if it's something I really want, then sure. Okay. Like, and you know, I'm also like, well, maybe I'll make it happen once this happens, but it sounds like you weren't even going to give your, your full, like once a chance, you're just like, okay, this is, I'm probably just going to have to just that's the way it'll go. So I'll do this, you know, where like, you're like compromising before you would even given your full self or full plan or whatever, a chance. Was that what it was? Cause like, you're yeah. like expecting to get a no, or this is how it should go. So this is like, you know, you're, we're projecting these outcomes that we think we're going to get. And we live into them without actually giving what, like the fullness of who we are a chance. Exactly. Exactly. Cause it's like, you're always going to hear people say to you, you know, no one wants it that way. Do it this way, right? Well, no one wants it that way because you didn't arrive yet. And then there you are. I remember Jay, just using Jason as an example. He was like, I thought I'm yours was like a song kids would like. And then I sang it on tour and it was like a single and everyone loved it. But the label was like, no, it's not a single, you know, what? You know, yeah, that song was successful for years <laughs> before it came out. Like I remember being, I don't even know. It was like some country that is not, you know, a big city. It's it was like 10,000 people were singing the song and it had never been released. And it was like, you know, and that happens all the time that these people that the, they that make the rules of how they think things should go and okay, this was successful. Do this. Like that happens all the time that then they're just looking for, oh, well, this is what works now. So we're looking for another, something like that. And that's how then we build our businesses and stuff, right? So this is the way we should do it, which again, like, yes, learn from other people, intake information, and then also feel what works best for you. Like, that's when I, when I came on this call and Kathy like, let's play this song. You would never be like, and this is what you do in your group coaching. You start a song, but also for you starting your own programs, you might be, okay, so Kathy starts with a song, emotional song. So I should do that. But if that, even though that moved me, that might not be something I feels best for me in mind, but like how amazing to see, like, that's how she channels like, oh, her love of music and like that too into the start of it. But you know, these ways that we can just build up, this is the way things should be. This is what a successful business person should do. And we try to follow all these steps but really the people that have had the like breakout stuff didn't follow steps. A hundred percent. I mean, even what you kept going, <laughs> even what you said that, like, I mean, you say it, like you just told me what you've got at the grocery store. Cause it's that simple, but you just told us. So I left being a sound person and came back as the 
manager of integrity, right? First, it was your joyologist. Yeah, they called me a joyologist. I didn't even have a title. I made up a job and didn't even have a title for it. <laughs> like then it became a thing and you didn't just do it with Jason Mraz. You also did this with Colby Kelly. Like you, you wound up doing this. But before that, it wasn't like every label was like, okay, we need to have, you know, these people on staff, including someone who helps the artist, but you were it. It just was right. Like, I think it just goes back to like, what really convinces anyone that anything is the right thing. It's full integrity. Like, and again, I used to think integrity was just kindness. So I actually used to think integrity sometimes meant doing the right thing. But really what it means is you are fully in alignment, right? Like, so yes, that could also mean being kind, but if it's a boundary you need to set, cause that's really your truth. Like you don't want to get on the boat cause boats make you sick. Don't get on the boat. That would be out of integrity. You'd be lying. So you're like, great, this is great. Now you got sick. Just say, I can't do this. Right. And if you don't want to date someone, because for whatever reason, you just really, you can't figure out how to feel okay right now. You then in integrity, you would say like, this isn't, I can't do this right now. Right. And that is integrity. That, that's the thing. Here's what I realized, Trisha. We are lying so often and we're lying so much to ourselves, and then we're lying to each other. And that's why most people are unhappy around the world because now we've convinced ourselves that really the way to be happy is to have more of these lies take place so we get more belonging with these other people who are also lying to themselves. So no one's happy checking off these boxes you would be way more happy than living in San Diego and making little money and just singing songs because that was just all about him listening to his gut. Right. And, and then of course it led to, we're talking about Jason Mraz again, but just as a callback, but that's the point. And that's what you're here to do. So in this book, F the shoulds, do the wants, get clear on who you are, what you want and why you want it. One of the things, and you touched on it before, in addition to the shoulds is this enoughness. And this is something you've been doing on your platform since the beginning. And it really is imperative. How do you help people, as you say, quit questioning their enoughness? Yeah. So again, most of what I've realized and and what you said too, about like the way we're lying to ourselves, like that's the thing. And most of the times it happens unconsciously. And the shoulds are affecting us daily, most of the time unconsciously. So when I started tuning into this, I would start to then see all the ways that I was telling myself on a daily basis that I wasn't enough because of mostly like these doubt, fears, shame, comparisons, all were coming from, I should be this way. I should be more this. I shouldn't, whatever. And so questioning my thoughts is what got me. I was going to do a a speech at an event and I was like super excited about it and I was all prepared, but in getting prepared for the speech and like practicing the actual speech, I kept feeling like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to need to get a blowout. I need to buy a new outfit. I need to exercise a lot this week. Like I need to get my car washed. Like all of these random tally items were coming up to prepare myself for the speech. And but they were really all shoulds. But since I eliminated the should, you know, like from, I was like, they were just sort of in the background. And I, those aren't things that really like, I love having my hair done, my nails done. I love having nice clothes, but I don't like like spending the time doing it. So I was like, why I need to, I want to be preparing and I have kids and why do I keep feeling like I have to do these things? And oh, like I need to exercise every day this week because it was like, 
this struggling with enoughness that I felt like people are not going to accept me. People are not going to listen to me if I don't look the part, like I'm not enough, even though like the whole part was about like the whole speech was about like how to get over judgment of yourself. (laughs) And yet that's the speech I'm preparing and practicing for people. And I realize in the background, I'm telling myself all these things to do that so that I can look better again, so I can look the part of being an awesome motivational like person in my mind. Cause obviously there's so many different people that look different ways and that wear different things on stage. But so it was this constant struggle of enoughness. And so like being able to see that question, those thoughts again, and be like, what is it that I'm telling myself right now? I'm telling myself that I'm not important enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough to go share the story that they've asked me to share because I don't look this way. So I'm not enough. And being able to just question myself and like, is that what I said early? Like, is that really what I want to believe? Mm -hmm. Because again, sometimes these thoughts are so deep in of us that it is like, is that what I believe is also a question. And sometimes it is like, yeah, part of me like really believes I'm not enough. Like that's in me from my childhood. I can constantly every day see, oh, this is me telling myself I'm not enough. But the thing is now I don't have to believe it. It's, oh, this is another me telling myself I'm not enough. Yeah. And questioning it and asking myself, is this what I really want to believe? No. What do I want to believe? So then asking myself, what do I want to believe? I want to believe that I have just as much worth in the body I am, whether I got a blowout, got my nails done, got my car washed. Nobody's even going to see my car, but yet I'm feeling like I should get my car washed because that will make me appear as a put together person. I don't know. It's like bananas, the stuff that our minds does to tell me that I'm not enough. And so just simply being like, what's going on here? What am I telling myself right now? Yep. What am I telling myself? Mm -hmm. Do, do I believe that? Do I want to believe that? And then what do I want to believe? I want to believe I'm worthy of being heard and seen in this body as I am. I want to believe that my message is going to change, you know, has the possibility to change people's life. I want to believe that I'm worthy of being like, myself on this earth. And then even take it a step further, even and like turning it into an affirmation. So what do I want to believe? And then saying, I am enough as I am. I am worthy of being in this body and speaking my story, like as I am. So those are like my steps of catching myself. And again, we're so hard on ourselves. So again, I'm always meeting myself with compassion and not like, I thought I was doing so good on my self-love journey. Right. And here I am feeling like I'm not enough. So I failed. I'm such a bad, Ugh. whatever. Like we end up piling, you know, like this negative stuff on top, like just m- making ourselves feel worse because we had a doubt because we had our fear. And then I'm like, oh man, huh. I like sort of hold myself in a hug with compassion. Oh, here I am. in another, I'm not enough story. Right. <sighs> okay. What do I want to believe? What do I want to tell myself, Trisha? And like switching the questions in and like always meeting yourself with love and compassion instead of what we're like, why are we so mean to ourselves? (laughs) I remember when um, Colby was on the show and it was after you and I had met and she had talked about you actually without me even before I even mentioned you. And she was talking about stage fright and anxiety and going on stage. This is Colby Calais. And she talks about this on the podcast, how she 
was just like, wait a minute. Like I was just a girl who likes to sing. Now I have to get up in front of thousands of people and I get anxious. Like, what if I don't remember the words? What if this, what if that? And she said that you were so integral um, being there with her. And then she realized this amazing, extraordinary thing, which was when and if she forgot the words, she would just say to the audience, oh my gosh, like, I just got anxious and forgot the words. And then people would just take this like sigh of relief. Like, that's so awesome. She's so honest. Like, and then she'd say, so sing this part with me. And then she realized, oh, I don't have to do it perfectly. They actually liked it when I was myself. Now I don't need to worry about forgetting the words. So then she stopped forgetting the words because it was her anxiety about forgetting the words that made her so anxious. And when she realized that when in doubt, she could just lean into I'm here. You're here. I'm a person. She's like, I loved it. Then it just totally changed for me. And she, she talked about you and how much you brought her so much like peace and ease. And it's true what you're saying about like flipping the script because thoughts become things and look how simply, but it didn't seem simple. It's, it seemed thousands of miles away walking through a desert that was on the other side for her, but really it was just allowing it to be like, well, what, wait a minute. What if I am enough? Even if I forgot the words, what if I just showed up there? Oh, people liked it more, <laughs> right? It was just like, oh, I just had a better bond with the audience instantly. Like maybe it's good to forget the words then, you know, whatever it is, it's just like amazing thoughts become things and we make things so much harder than they need to be. I want to ask you one question. You say in the book that you can create a direct line to your intuition, right? And I think that we're all clear what the problem is. And I think that that's more of the solution, right? Like, how do you do that when you've been turning the volume off on that for so long in order to be perfect and measure up to these fake shoulds? How do you turn up the volume on that direct line to your intuition? Well, yeah. And so that's what, again, I, most of the time we don't even realize that we are constantly like outsourcing our life choices. And like, we have that's like, that's what the shoulds are. Like, what should I do? What should I eat? What should I, this, you know, we're constantly outsourcing our life choices. Instead of when you come back to yourself, like, what do I want? Like, you feel like you're landing back in your body. And there's also like so many should files we have within ourselves. Oh God, like, yeah. Okay. This, that, you know, and again, like I, when I became a mom, I remember like feeling shame and guilt for like the reality of my motherhood because of like how I thought I should be a mom or like the image I had of myself as a mom. And then having to be like, oh, wait. So again, like, oh, I'm not a good mom. And then coming back to, well, wait, why am I telling myself that? Because of some should file I was living into. And this is reality. Like, what do I think being a good mom is? Oh, I'm like showing up for my children and making the best choices for them. <laughs> and like, that's what it is like. Um, but so, yeah, so the direct line to your intuition comes from starting to question those shoulds and be able to get quiet and come into yourself and like have that pausing time. And what do I want? And even like in that chapter, it's like giving yourselves like ways to visualize your choices. And that sounds, you know, visualize seems like a fancy word, like, Ooh, but really it's like daydream. Like, let me sit down and try on these options and these choices. And like, how do they actually feel to me in my body? Cause also I think we have been taught to like, maybe we haven't been taught, but I feel like intuition is like, you think like a big spotlight is going to come on your choice and everything is clean and clear. And there's like ringing bells that like, this is your intuition go this way. But it's often not that way because 
first we have these layers of should, so it can be murky and then fears and doubts are trying to poke at us. So sometimes you can feel your intuition super strongly and you're like, yes, I know the choice I'm to make. But sometimes again, you're going against maybe what you've been taught or what you have been told, or there are fears and doubts. So it feels a little bit more confusing, but when you sit and like, really like imagine and daydream possibilities, you can feel the different energies in your body and get clear on what really is your want for right now. Cause also the shoulds can be us like what we thought we wanted, what we should do. And so it's also like, what works for me right now? I thought that I would want you know, my version of success. I thought looked like this. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, well, no, I don't know if I want that. Cause I really like my time and my free time. So maybe I actually don't want to be as successful as I thought. Well, actually, no, I still want to be successful. It's just like, it's again, we're paying attention. To what does that look like? Instead of what does that feel like? So good. So where can people buy the book and follow you? Yeah. So go to F the shoulds, do the once.com, just the letter F, F the shoulds, do the once.com. You can buy the book anywhere, but that's like the book landing page where you then also can come back to get bonuses. Cause there's a five part exclusive video bonus series that you can get right now where I like go deeper into like five of the biggest shoulds and a tapping meditation from Jessica Ordner. So go to F the shoulds, do the once.com to order the book or to come back to and claim the bonuses. And I'm at underscore Trisha Huffman on social media and still your joyologist, yourjoyologist.com too. So good. Really, really so good. And such an exciting way to launch the book with, with that, all those people involved. It's going to be so good. So follow her, buy the book. This should be required reading. Go join the launch party plans. Um, but what a nice way to end the week. And um, maybe we could all, A, follow Trisha, get her book, but also um, really think about, like she said, some minutes are still some minutes. What if we just made it a point that over this weekend, five minutes of this weekend, you'll check in and see if you're actually doing what you wanted or what you thought you should do and maybe make a choice that you wanted to do, even if it's something really simple, like choosing to sit in a different seat at a place or saying that you're going to be 15 minutes late to your stepmom or whatever it is. Like maybe we could try that. Maybe that would help. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Trisha. You're awesome. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. Trisha is so awesome. I love talking with her. Here are the takeaways. Number one, F the shoulds, do the woods. Number two, let yourself do the things that work for you. Don't forget to enjoy your life. You can feel joy today. Number three, the direct line of intuition comes from questioning the shoulds, getting quiet and coming into yourself. Make the time to pause and ask, what do I want? Number four, visualize your choices. Allow yourself to daydream the possibilities and try on these options and see how your body feels. When you sit in it, you can feel the energy in your body and get clear on what your want is right now. Number five, people who change the world don't blend in, they stand out. Number six, we are not our ego. We are the one self. We are the ocean. We are the infinite. We are the whole deal. And number seven, find your way into that one expansive field. It has to happen every single day. When you're in it, the world starts to move and things will happen effortlessly.
All right, now I want to celebrate a win from one of our students, Sarah. She said, I'm proud to launch my book this weekend, and it already went bestseller in Australia, USA, and Canada. The idea was born over a year ago when I talked to the publisher. To think that a spark of an idea has brought so many incredible people together, I'm humbled. It has shown me how we need to dream bigger. I can also feel the divine timing. My story is about my experience in 2004 in the Indonesian tsunami and how I stepped into hope and purpose in the process, a time when I awoke, lit up, full of enthusiasm, feeling like my life mattered. I've been searching for that intense feeling ever since. Doing this course and reaching out to coach others has brought me that exact same feeling, and I realize it is not the what I am doing. It's the fact that I feel that I'm adding value and making a difference in others' lives. As I remember my story, I know I am moving into a new parallel experience that I am now actively creating, and the course was the catalyst. And this course was the catalyst. The universe moves in mysterious ways, full of moments of joy amid the challenges. Life is beautiful, and I send love to each of you on your own special journey. Oh my gosh, Sarah, that's so beautiful. Writing a book is like climbing 10 Mount Everest, so I hope you give yourself a huge celebration. I know this will resonate with everyone who gets their hands on it. You can go get Sarah's book. It's called Ignite Your Wisdom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I know that your time is the most precious gift that you have, so it just means so much that you're here. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify wherever you're listening so you don't miss the incredible episodes we have coming up. And if you want me to answer a question that you have about entrepreneurship or imposter syndrome or fear or self-doubt or anything on your mind, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and include your question in the review, or you can send us your question to hello at kathyheller.com and I'll answer it on the podcast. You can just put in the subject line question for podcast. And if you know someone who would appreciate this episode, then click the share button and email them or text them the link, or you can post about it on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. And you can tag Trisha. She's at underscore Trisha Huffman and at your joyologist. Last thing, if you want to get in on the presale, there's a discount right now. It's $500 off to join my signature program that's all about helping you allow abundance into your life once and for all. You can go grab your spot with $500 off over the next few days at kathyheller.com slash join. You're going to be so happy you gifted yourself with this experience. It is a full experience. There are live calls. There is tons of trainings. There's all this meditation. There's all these different ways that you're going to reprogram your subconscious mind to help you allow abundance to come in effortlessly, period, full stop. You can go to kathyheller.com slash join and get $500 off. I cannot wait to work with you guys. This is going to be such an amazing cohort. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine and have an amazing weekend. You make
strength.